Your biography was really interesting to read, and it says you've worked in the film industry for 20 years. Yeah. I was really curious to know what kind of projects you've worked on or films and things you've been involved in. Yeah, so it's been pretty broad, uh, the amount of things, different things that I've done. Um, I did work in LA for a period on various productions, but the most significant thing that I've done is actually a, I owned a post-production company in Boise for a period, and so oh, wow. just worked on on various projects there. That was actually probably the funnest part of what I've done so far. Just the ability to you know work with different clients and stuff, and it was pretty diverse. Mm -hmm. So, what were some of the things that you produced there? Was it mostly like business oriented, or um, I guess entertainment? Yeah, most of the projects that I created were corporate explainer type videos. So when you visit a website and they explain what they do, um, those animations, I, uh, that's most of the work. It sounds kind of boring, but it was actually pretty fun because you get to be pretty creative in the process. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I've been on on various productions as well. So um, I've been very blessed to work on on various productions in the industry, um, mostly as a camera operator and a cinematographer uh, on various films. Um, but really, uh, the most joy has come from post-production. So a lot of animation, visual effects, color correction, stuff like that. And when you talk about animation, can you go a little bit more in depth about that? Yeah. So animation is kind of a broad term. Um, a lot of people, when they think of animation, they think of your traditional uh, cell by cell sort of frame animation, sort of the traditional Disney approach. That's not me. Um, I, I can't do that. But I do a lot of uh, computer graphics animation. So a lot of 3D animation, I use programs like Cinema 4D and After Effects. Mm -hmm. uh, so usually it's for technical animations. But yeah. They're fun. <laughs> Does it relate directly to um, what you talk about in your devotional dress with the... Um... Composite? Yes. Yeah. That. So, yes. One of my favorite parts of animation is and, and visual effects is this process called compositing. Um, it also exists in still photography, where you take multiple images, put them together to make one unique image. Uh, and it exists in film, too. So, you know, in our visual effects, you know, intensive environment where, you know, Marvel films and stuff like that, it's all, um, it's compositing. They're just taking CG elements um, combined with other elements to to create something else. And so that's that's the really fun, a really fun part for me is just doing the post-production and compositing part of it. So. Yeah. Well, that's fabulous. And I'm excited to ask a few more questions about how that's related to your experience with Lehigh's vision. But first, I wanted to hear a little bit more about how you um, came to BYU-Idaho and kind of what your experience has been like here working as a faculty member. Totally. So everyone who works at BYU-Idaho has sort of their unique path on how they got here. Mm -hmm. And um, mine isn't any different. I've had a lot of really awesome and unique life experiences. I couldn't have predicted um, you know, coming to BYU-Idaho. But now that I'm here, I definitely have testimony of the Lord's hand in me getting here. And I couldn't ask to be in a better uh, situation or place. I, I love it here. And what is your official title then here? So my title is Media Creation Manager. And ultimately what that means is my team is responsible for creating the video and photography content for campus. Wow. And has that been what you've been doing this whole time while you were here? Or did you start off in a different department or position? When I started at BYU-Idaho, I was with AV Productions. And so that was more of the live video aspect of, of productions here. Yeah. Do you miss that at all? Or are you happy where you're at? 
AV Productions is an awesome team. I was very blessed to work with them, and I actually still do work with them. Um, my office is with them. A lot of people who haven't been on the production floor in the Ice Center um, don't realize actually all that goes in uh, to events such as devotional. Um, there's a lot of a lot of hands behind the scenes doing some pretty awesome stuff. Moving on to your devotional talk, um, what was the process like coming up with the topic that you share? A lot of it's based on your personal experience as a professional, um, but there are also some you know deeper gospel themes that you've been discovering over time. So was that a theme that you or a topic that you just had kind of at the top of your head when you were invited to give the Devo or did it take you a while to find this topic? When I was asked to speak a devotional, um, the topic immediately came to mind because this personal project of mine uh, was something that I was already working on. And um, it was significant. You know, we've heard Lehi's dream. I, I referenced Lehi's dream in the talk. Um, we've uh, heard Lehi's dream in our youth. And, you know, we're very familiar with that. But the cool thing about studying the gospel, whether it's reading the scriptures or topically exploring a certain aspect, or in this case, trying to create, you know, an artistic adaptation of it, your perspective changes. And I think that's a gift from Heavenly Father, just allowing you to see um, see things a little differently. And that was my experience in creating this composite. And uh, yeah, it's been an awesome experience. Yeah. As you kept rereading Lehi's uh, vision, and as you as you progressed throughout this project, um, you started thinking of different questions and things, you know, things came to a new light for you. Can you go into detail about maybe some of the things that were new for you to discover and kind of what you've done with that knowledge since? Yeah, some things were new and some things were actually not necessarily new, but reinforced. So I'll explain maybe those ones first. So I always sort of had this vision of the great and spacious building being up and off the ground. Um, that's sort of how I kind of always understood it. But this time it felt different in that there was no foundation, you know, and as we learn, you know, I mean, if something doesn't have a foundation, eventually it will fall. And that was one of the things that stood out to me, something that I didn't really understand maybe up until the point of building this composite. Another thing that stood out to me was, so as a cinematographer, which is a large part of what I do, and cinematography, by the way, is is like photography, but within motion picture. Mm -hmm. And so lighting is a significant part of that. And asking the question how I should light this was different. Uh, my understanding of how maybe it was lit previously contrasted with how I elected to light it this time. Whenever you have the opportunity to create something, um, you you make deliberate decisions and those de decisions need to be informed. And so when I considered how to light this, I asked myself, well, what is the quality of light? Um, you know, what color might the tree of life be or what color might the, the great and spacious building be and would they be different? And ultimately I made the decision that yes, they were very much different. Um, so for example, we have artificial light and the great and spacious building is artificial. It's not of God. And so it needed to sort of glow artificially. Whereas the tree of life, you know, um, should perhaps emulate something a little more natural like the sun, you know, and artificial light and the sun have different colors and different intensities. On the theme of light, somewhere in your address, you talk about how at times we might feel like we're in this dark place that there's always some sort of, you know, a source of light, right? Um, but it takes us a little bit of time to recognize it or to move towards it. Has there been a time in your life when 
you felt in that darkness and what was the source of light that helped you move out of it? What did you do to, um, to, I guess, get to a better place? So for me, the source of light has always been through my savior and no matter how that's manifested. So it could be, um, you know, the loving embrace of someone close to me, or it could be a thought that comes to mind, or it could be just how that day went. Um, but I would, t- that would all come back to the Savior. I think through Jesus Christ and his atonement, we have access to very unique blessings, regardless of how it comes to you. Another element of your address that I found really interesting was you pointed out the word sin and that its Hebrew equivalent means to miss the mark, which, of course, changes the idea of repentance then into, as you said, um, it's simply a need to dial in our aim and try again. So how has this new definition, I guess, changed your perspective of making mistakes um, and then also of the Savior's role in helping us change and become better afterwards? I love that question. Um in recent secular readings, I've read a lot on uh, this idea of growth mindset and the idea of not being smart enough or or being a failure. Um, if we're not careful, that can that can lead us to a point of giving up, and that's a really dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes, and if we recognize them simply as opportunities to grow, then we actually get stronger on the other end of a mistake. Tribulation is a really tough thing, but tribulation, as painful as as it is, is a blessing. With what you were sharing about the Savior and about understanding maybe sin from the context of it's just us missing that mark. We can always try again. He can be our mentor and coach to be better. Um, You also bring up the topic of uh, being forgiving of others and not being too hasty to judge. So. What inspired you to connect that to your talk as well and to bring up the idea of remembering others and not just ourselves and our personal journey too? I love that question. Um, I think it's really easy for us to fall into this trap of the us and them. Um, And it's a really dangerous place to be. I think we're all striving to be better. Um, We might be on different parts of that spectrum, but we're all striving. And to go back to cinematography, uh, we've been sitting in this room together and the light directly above you has, y- your your mind has eff- effectively normalized that as being white, mm-hmm. but it's not white, right? Um, neither is the light outside, neither is necessarily the light anywhere. Um, it's really just how you've acclimated to that. And in a very similar way, what is normal to you may not necessarily be normal to someone else. And so really trying to discover another person um, and and know where they're coming from and actually loving them, I think is a better approach uh, than falling into that trap of us versus them. Sometimes we're in situations where we don't understand where someone is coming from. And uh, often we could be hasty in the judgments that we make, um, you know, maybe considering them as adversarial or, you know, somehow, you know, disagreeable, but really allowing ourselves to step back and try to understand where they're coming from actually opens up doors to relationships uh, and and better understanding. And so sometimes just allowing yourself to, you know, get to know someone is really the solution, get to know them and get to love them. <laughs> 